Jimmy. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Yes, welcome to the Paid Search Podcast. My name is Jason Rothman. As always, I'm joined by the great Chris Schaefer. Chris, how's it going today? I am better than everyone else, so I'm doing great. Uh, top of the world, uh, feeling good. Uh, I look amazing. I am incredibly successful, and um, it's it's great to be on top. Jason, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Just to show you how good things are going, my <laughs> clock on my wall, Chris, stopped. Time stopped. <laughs> It's Jason's falling apart. It's going to be an exciting hour, guys, because uh, by the end of it, sound of Jason's voice may completely change, and uh, he might just crumble before uh, our eyes. So, no, you know, Chris, it's going to be an exciting hour because um, you have a very exciting topic. Yes. Last week, we had a great episode. We talked about keyword types, mm-hmm. and this week, we're going to be talking about how to manage a perfect account. It's, it's a very interesting topic. Yeah. So, to follow up, Jason... Did you come up with the name for your theory? Uh, uh, I think I, I think I might have. It, it had a little. It was a little kind of a psychology persuasion thing. Let me just uh, let me see what I ended up naming it because I think you'll get a kick out of this. Easy Google Ads keyword strategy that leads to success. Oh, so gosh. it's called the Easy Google Ads <laughs> keyword strategy because I was reading this uh. week. There's something about the word easy that makes human minds just kind of like drop their guard and they're just like, easy, that's what I need to survive. And then they do what you say. So it's called the easy, it's called the easy Google ads keyword strategy. Okay. Well, eh, not as, I don't think it's as catchy as the, the green theory. Um, but, um, yeah, it's all right. You know, it's your, it's, it's your baby. You can name your baby what you want. It's just, I wouldn't name it. I wouldn't name my baby easy. It, it, it's a weird name, but uh, well, guys, as Jason said, we have a really, a really good topic, and it comes from a listener who contacted us and had a really interesting question. Um, but before we get into it, I'm going to let you guys know about optio.com/psp2. That is the tool to get things done faster in Google Ads. This tool is a paid tool. This isn't a free tool. You know, you have to pay for it. And the reason I say that is because that's a good thing. I get questions. Jason's gets questions. Our podcast gets questions about what tools do you guys recommend? What kind of tools? And most of the time people are saying, what free tools, you know, send me to a website where I can, you know, do something for free. And you know how many of those we recommend? Zero. We don't recommend them. Literally, you can go back and listen. We don't point to, I don't think, any of these free tools because they're worth exactly that. They're worth nothing. Optio is a p- tool that you pay for. But here's the best news. Eight weeks for free. You can try this paid tool out for eight weeks. And the great thing is that's going to get you through a couple of cycles. It's going to get you through two months of client reporting. You'll be able to see the benefits of you using this tool that helps you perform your actions in Google Ads faster, get more done faster in Google Ads. So paid tool, very good price for it, but you can try it for even a better price, the price of free at opteo.com slash PSP2. Use the chat box down at the bottom and tell them you heard about them on the Paid Search Podcast and they'll give you the special two-week deal only exclusively available through that link so go check them out chris you want to know something funny um two days ago i was working on my laptop and i had a glass of water next to me and i moved my arm to the right and i just knocked the glass of water straight on my keyboard (laughs) on my laptop all the water and it just was there (laughs) then i wiped it off and then the keep the computer when it come back on. Oh no! And so you know what I did? I got up, I went to the store, and I bought another wow. twenty two hundred dollar laptop, <laughs> like it was nothing. And while I was there, I was perusing the aisle, and I said, "You know what? I need a five hundred dollar iPad Air too." So I bought that too. <laughs> wow! And the and the the person at the store was like, "Is this for a graduation or something like that?" And I was like, "Big event?" Or I was like, 
No, I spilled water earlier today, <laughs> and now I'm buying a new one. <laughs> that's that's a great story. I like that. <laughs> it's like oh. I didn't even get mad. I was just like, <laughs> I'm just gonna go buy another one. Oh yeah, okay. You spilled water. Here's your twenty seven hundred dollar bill, and you'll be like, okay, I'll be. Didn't even raise my pulse. Yeah, I'll yeah. be back in if I spill my water again. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. She was like, do you want Apple Care?" And I was like, is that a joke? Like, no. <laughs> no. I mean, not, I don't when need I, that. not when I don't need it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Man, you so know, I'm going to take back what I said. You know, I think uh, I said I was on top of the world, living it up, doing amazing. But uh, I think that story just, that, that kind of hurt. That puts me in my place. I have not bought a $2,200 item because I spilt water. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, all right. Jason, you are my subject today. Jason, you are. You know why? Why do you say that, Chris? So you you've got skills yourself. Like I'm going to be asking you a question too. You're acting yeah. like you're prying me open here. Yeah, but I, I, I want. Well, no, I want to share. Let me humor you for. I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying. I want to know how you manage accounts too, Chris. <laughs> no, no, I don't. That's believe not you. genuine. No, <laughs> you do. Jason's like he's like jumping up and down because he's like me 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 me. <laughs> He's excited. This is this is the Jason show. No, I think honestly, Chris, the way you and I, well, no. we have very unique, no, headstrong I, styles. With yeah, that's true. Head, but we you agree. really will take some. I mean, we agree on the same thing. Will you take things. some of this advice? Um, well, let me let me lay out exactly what Brett uh, from Orlando, Florida, sent us a message, and Brett from Orlando says basically during his. Very long message. I'm sorry, Brett. I'm not going to play it. Um, but I, the the gist of it is. Hey, Chris. Let me just let me just tell Brett. He did ask the question the right way because there were about four unprompted apologies to me yeah. within that message. <laughs> true. I didn't even do anything to him, but there was a lot of like, <laughs> yes. I hope you're not mad. I'm asking this. I hope he doesn't get mad at me. I'm sorry for taking up your time. And I was like, Yeah, okay. I I appreciate that level of respect. So it's a good call. I imagined good, him good like in the throne room, you know talking and you're there you're the king right and he's talking to the queen because he was addressing me but every time his eyes would like look over at the king like is this okay i'm gonna i'm gonna ask this is is this okay i'm sorry i do this is that okay Uh, i'm sorry (laughs) it was pretty funny um so basically he's in a position that many people are very envious of he's running a campaign that has a lot of history it has some great success. He's getting conversions. He's getting value. He's getting tons of business out of it. And he said, you know, a couple of years ago, after a certain time, you know, he was doing, he had lots to do. He had lots of keywords to add. He had a lot of things to kind of grind out and figure out budgets to change, bids to change, ad groups to change, keywords to adjust, always stuff. Now he's looking at himself is, what do I do now? I'm looking at, he's looking at the campaign and he's wondering, what does a highly optimized campaign look like in the management style? Like, what what do I do? I come in on Monday. I made money seven days a week last week. How do I optimize? What do I do once, you know, something's profitable? Once I'm not struggling with quality scores, my click-through rates are really good. All my keywords have a above minimum level threshold of performance and you know my search my search terms are clean so the reason i'm asking jason is because he has some long-term accounts that have been with him a long time and he's been optimizing i know they're extremely successful and i'm wondering when you jump into those accounts i have questions what do you do because it's very difficult to optimize a campaign that's already optimized that's performing well what does a manager do at that high level first of all chris you you also have long-term optimized accounts yeah so you have your own way of managing them but i think the fact that you are genuinely curious Mm -hmm. and i'm nominally curious about your work is that just shows that there is a kind of mystery to it. Like, what do you do? Like, uh, you could see different people having different styles. So, yeah, yeah. I think you're saying you've experienced where you're like, oh, this thing's perfect. Let's get it better. Let's get it better. And then the normal first three months, first six months, first two year stuff has all kind of been checked off. So, it's like, what are top Google Ads managers out there doing? So, I, 
I definitely see the need for the the question there. Yeah. So I have a few questions I'm going to go through. Uh, Brett, hopefully this will answer your question. And you guys listening out there, you know, this is, I think this will be something to learn if you don't even have that, you know, you have a new campaign or you're struggling with your campaign. You know, this is the kind of detail, kind of small things that you would pay attention to on your end. You would, if these don't even register as things that you even consider with a non-optimized campaign, you probably have a long way to go. These are things you might want to start at least paying attention to. So there's a lot to learn. So first, I want to know about, I have about four categories I want to ask about. And the first thing is account structure. Then I'm going to get into keywords, then bidding, and then just regular optimization, optimizing. Okay, so let's get into account structure first. With a general campaign, a, a typical account, big, small, doesn't matter how much spend. How many campaigns are you typically running? I mean, is a highly optimized campaign running 15 campaigns? Are you still minimizing the amount of work and, and running, you know, one or two campaigns? I mean, how, how detailed are these campaigns? Well, Chris, let me just say, I, I wrote down some additional thoughts on it. Managing long-term, highly optimized accounts forever for clients. I, I wrote down some business thoughts for okay. Patreon. So I have some kind of tips or ah. things to share there. We'll talk about after the Behind show. Behind the scenes, but, um, yeah. just want to give you a heads Pay up on podcast. that. Because it is Patreon. PaySearchPodcast.com. Click the link to the Patreon. A lot of people are signing up. We appreciate that. And uh, it's very cheap. It's like two bucks a month and we do for at least four a month, uh, one every week. But I just want to tell you that, Chris, because we have the inside the account stuff, but we also have the client relationship stuff, which is more of the Patreon stuff, but it is the client relationship is different yes. years in than it is at yes. the beginning. So Good there's point. a lot of thoughts there. But in terms of campaigns, how many campaigns I'm running at once, not to be combative, but uh, nothing changes in the sense of like, you do what is good for the account. So I've got accounts I've been running for years where we have at least 50 campaigns, at wow. least. Um, and then I have accounts we've been running for years where we have one. So okay. it, it is the common thing we always follow. It's like, just do what's good for the account. I will say this about the amount of campaigns over long periods of time. There's two, two things that happen. One is when you're running for years with the advertiser, a lot of ideas get talked about. You're in such a good spot profit-wise in terms of the account working, that there's a lot of room to try stuff out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ideas that either yourself as a manager or the advertiser come up with. And so over the years in some of these accounts, we have completely fluctuated our campaigns. And just to give you one example, for a time we were running overnight and we thought about, well, if we're going to be running overnight, that takes its own ad copy, takes its own bids, let's run overnight campaigns. Uh, and so we doubled our amount of campaigns just like that yeah. overnight, okay. if you will. So that, so that one is based on, that new campaign is based strictly on ad schedule. It's based on ideas. It's just based on the ability to have ideas. Because if you're running an, an account you've been running for three months, you're trying to make it profitable. You're trying to figure it out. The budget's 5000 a month. The advertiser's not going to be going, hey, what if we spent 30 another 30% and ran overnight. They're going to be more focused on what were our search terms this month? Is our conversion tracking working? And you're focused on the day-to-day -day stuff. But then, like you're saying at the top of the show, once everything's working mm -hmm. and just dialed in, then it's like, how do we get more? How do we grow? Well, then we look at the overnight thing. So then we add in double the amount of campaigns. But then you know what happens as time goes on. We realize management-wise, that's not really worth the amount of work it took to yeah and this sounds i don't want this to come off as like oh it took work what i'm trying to say is the way it messed us up having double the amount of campaigns and so you're going to add a new keyword right you find a good keyword yep, yep. so now you got to add it to all the daytime campaigns and all the nighttime campaigns and then you find oh this keyword's converting at this rate so now we got to lower the bids on it you got to find it in all the daytime ones and all the night so Looking at all that kind of complexity versus what the night overnight was bringing in for this industry wasn't worth it. So then you know what we did? We made part of the overnight hours that were working 
part of our regular campaigns, and then we turned off the overnight campaigns. So my point is the amount of campaigns when you're running these years-long accounts, they can definitely fluctuate as ideas come in. But the fundamental stuff of you can't make things too complex to the point where it hurts your management on the campaigns that are getting you 80, 90% of your leads, we've run into those issues and we got to scale back. So I've run into that. Okay. So you're saying the complexity of having a high volume of campaigns can be difficult because would you say that if there's a campaign that's running and having success during the daytime with one set of keywords, you could have completely different results on the other campaign where one keyword could be successful, but it doesn't work for the other one. So essentially you've gone from managing one account to two completely accounts all within the same uh, account. And your and your first account, your first set of campaigns is bringing in 95% of your traffic. Right. Needs. And so that, why are you making things more complex? Why you, yeah. Splitting your effort. Yeah. So we, you're splitting so your we effort. scaled yeah. back in this one example. There's other examples where we just run, run campaign the whole time. Another kind of uh, how many campaigns you're running. And this is, I'm just, I'm not going to get into it too much because we'll talk about keywords in a second. But one thing I've noticed in accounts that I've run forever, when I do add in pure broad keywords to want to try them, I'm learning this and I'm going through this right now with some accounts. Instead of adding them to the current campaigns and current ad groups, that has kind of been messing up my management because then it throws off my metrics and the way I'm managing ad group bids. And so I'm learning as time goes on, when you've got some really quality campaigns and ad groups that have been running for a long time, when you want to test stuff out, take the time to throw it into something separate, whether it's a separate ad group with the naming structure you can control or a separate campaign. When you have these long time accounts, it really is worth it to try the new stuff out in different sections because it's going to mess up your day-to-day flow. And I'm, I'm kind of going through that right now, reworking some long-term accounts where I've put in the broad keywords they're working, but now I've got to kind of move them out because they're messing up the way I manage the account. Okay. So to, to, to put it all in a nutshell is the reason you would decide on 50 campaigns or one campaign is because based on the ratio of success for one campaign and the value that you get from splitting it based on locations or ad schedule or type of keyword or you know devices, anything like that. If you find that it's actually worth it, you will split it to the point where you might have 50 or more. But if those areas of segmentation do not derive enough value, then you'll immediately condense it back down and you find that it actually works better. Compared to the cost of them, which is the complexity. Right. Okay. That's interesting. So it's yeah. kind of, the, the, I guess the overall point is there's nothing different about a long-term account in terms of campaigns, the amount of campaigns, but it's just all this theoretical stuff we talk about in terms of we like the lazy man build because it's not complex. It allows us to start managing clean right off the bat. We like simple campaign structure, simple ad group structure because it allows for the best management. All that theoretical stuff, you actually just see it play out in reality because it is such a long time horizon with the long-term accounts. That's I, that's my main point. You see it play out. That's that's what I, I – I, so I love making – statements here, you know, because this is where we get so many questions. What you're, what, what Jason's saying, and I'm agreeing, is that a campaign that's been worked through and it's highly optimized and performing very well does not necessarily have a huge number of conversions, excuse me, uh, campaigns. It does not have... Yeah, there's no, there's no rule that if yeah. you're running for a long time, you have to have... If I log campaign. in and see there's something no that, that have 50 campaigns in it, I should not immediately assume, oh, this is highly optimized because that is not the case. That's not standard. It does not mean that someone really knows what they're doing due to the complexity of the build. So that's... There you go. Let's talk a bit about inside of the campaigns. Do these campaigns, and I assume it falls under the same idea. I mean... Do they all have lots of ad groups? You know, does one campaign typically have a whole bunch of ad groups or do you tend to condense them? I mean, on a general rule, what does a highly optimized, you know, management look like for for that as far as ad groups? So same rule of thumb, the stuff we 
we focus on day-to-day applies to long-term accounts too. Themed ad groups make it as simple as possible. But the only difference would be in those long-term accounts where we have tried a lot of stuff out, some stuff didn't work, but some stuff did. I do find myself having a lot more campaigns with just one or two or three ad groups in them because stuff comes up where it's like, okay, this is this one area location wise, or this is this one topic. And we know it works well. It's different than the main stuff. And let's just totally silo it off. And the complexity of doing that has proven itself because we have numbers to back it up. Let's just keep it in its own thing. We can focus on it separately. All the extensions we put in, all the bidding, all the settings, we know it's tailored to this one group of ad groups, sometimes one, sometimes three. Uh, but I do find myself with a lot more niche campaigns over the lo- over long-term accounts. Again, it's not every long-term account, but if I am going to have niched campaigns with only a few ad groups, that does happen to happen in my long-term accounts where we've tried stuff out, found stuff that works and wanted to silo it versus, hey, we're eight months in and we're still dialing it in and it's working great, but we're not really in the mode of like, testing a bunch of new okay. uh, bunch of new stuff out. Okay. So what you're saying what it what it might look like is you have one main campaign that's let's say spending 70% of the budget. It's a campaign that's doing really well and it might have a number of ad groups that's not really the point, but the second campaign might have a few ad groups and it only spends about 30% and it's very specific. There's a couple ad groups. Those each have very specific roles in what they do. Um, and it's just a side campaign that's running alongside because it is profitable, but the volume. Well, it's like if you're a moving company and you're in Florida and you do local moves, you do long distance moves, you do commercial moves, but then you're working with the advertiser for years and you get to know their business better and better. And they have a great relationship with a company in New York. And there's a lot of Florida to New York travel that happens. So maybe maybe they come to you and say, hey, this is a big part of our business. It's a growing part of our business. I want to focus on this. I want to max this out. Well, you have a long-term relationship, a long-term account. The day-to-day stuff is real dialed in. And so, yes, what do you do all week? That's where a lot of that time goes is, okay, we've got the local moving account done in Google Ads. It's working great. Mm. But now we've got this new line of business, Florida to New York. Let's not make this one ad group. Let's make this a campaign and let's make this as good as possible. Tailored extensions. Um, A good example of this is like, okay, we make good money on our local moves but our profits on our Florida New York moves are huge. So because they're huge, we can we we can afford to run all day long when our conversion rates are lower overnight. So you have a different ad schedule. Okay. Yeah. Different ad schedule means different campaign. So because you've got things dialed in 3 years in into the regular campaign and now you're working on this new line of business Florida New to New York or vice versa, there's going to be different things that come up. Location uh, settings in terms of the schedule, um, advanced location settings, language settings, extensions, different audiences. And just since you have that time, because the regular account is dialed in the regular campaigns, put the Florida, New York one in a separate campaign and build it out from there. That's, those are kind of the specialized, small amount of ad group campaigns that, that we have running sometimes. That's, yeah. I mean, I can actually see. Do you see, do you see the value of that? Yeah. Chris? Like yeah. you, you have the main thing dialed in. So now you have the time to build out the new thing mm-hmm. and instead of doing the new thing and the main thing, like usual, keep it separate from the start. Cause we all know that's technically better. It's just early on before you know what's going to get volume or before you know what's important to a client, you don't necessarily want to build out every ad group into its own campaign because it's not worth the complexity. But once you know Florida to New York is like really high profit for them, then you know it's worth building into its own campaign. Okay. So I could actually see it as an illustration of a heat map. You know, as if you have your one campaign and there might be certain hot spots and you say, this is interesting. And instead of restructuring your entire system, you just pull that one hot spot out, 
and build a new campaign just on that one idea. Test it out, play with it, try different settings, and if it works, if it then then great. If it doesn't work, then shut it off and put it back in. You know, turn the old uh, keywords back on with uh, the original test. So you know, I could kind of see it's a you know instead of working on the whole system itself, once you get a highly optimized campaign, the daily grind becomes finding little hot spots and and testing and building and stuff out, building stuff, yeah. And of course, budget's a big one because if they come to you and they say, hey, we're spending X amount on local moves, commercial moves, long distance moving, regular campaign, but now we have this Florida to New York and we're making great money on it and we don't care about our AdWords budget. We want it to be the most the most we can because we're making great money on it. Well, that needs its own campaign because you got to control the budget. Yep. Okay. All right, let's move on to keywords. I think this is, you know, probably where a lot of people are going to want to know things. And this is, I could probably guess the answer on this, but we'll ask just because, I, you know, I want to keep with the same theme. How many keywords are in ad groups? You know, I'm, I'm imagining people out there are imagining that a highly optimized uh, account has tons of campaigns. We've just said that, no, that's not necessarily the case. Next, they think a highly optimized uh, campaign has tons of ad groups. No, that's not the case. So I'm, I'm starting to see a, a theme here. How many keywords might be in an ad group? I would say it's actually, most people are probably thinking, well, if it's highly optimized, it's going to have one keyword or two keywords or something like that per ad group. What say you? A lot. Re- what? The, the, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a lot of keywords. The, the more time I get with an account, the longer it runs, generally the more keywords I have in ad groups. Okay. Hundreds? In some, yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And these look the, like- the, re- the reason why, because the reason why is because, again, a lot of what we talk about is theory- Theory takes a long time to play out in reality mm-hmm. and prove itself as the, the right way to manage it. But then in these long-term accounts, I am able to manage it based on the good theories that I, for me, that work for me, that I like, that I think are right. And my theories get to play out. So one of my theories, and this was developed with you, uh, I was very much, a, when I started with you, a skagger. Right. And when you're when you're skagging, you're, you're very focused on keywords, single keyword, mm-hmm. keywords. Keywords are the biggest thing. But then maybe a year ago, we were having a conversation, probably you didn't even notice at the time, but you talked about how you were doing manual bids at the ad group level. And ever since that, you kind of opened my eyes that on that. was a turning I have point totally, for you. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I yeah. have totally changed up my bidding going from keyword focus to ad group focus. So I'm very much an ad group focused manager right now, and I have been for the last year. And I just bought a laptop because I spilled water on it the other day. So it's been a great year. So things are working out. And I look at ad groups as buckets, and I fill those buckets up with keywords. And as long as the keywords are the same, as long as they're the same intent and the same performance, then they should go in a bucket and having as many of the same intent keywords and the same performing keywords inside of as few buckets as possible, it makes my management very effective because instead of having to manage bids on hundreds or thousands of ad groups, I'm able to really condense the amount of bid work I have to do. And of course, when things are more condensed and more simple, you're able to do better at them. But I'm able to also keep it big and complex with the amount of keywords. I just don't have to pay a price for that because I'm managing their bids at the ad group bucket level. And I don't have, I'm trying to keep the buckets as small as possible. Now that said, what I'm finding in super long-term accounts is that exact match keywords over a long period of time, good exact match keywords, they might perform better than loosely broad match modified keywords. Mm-hmm. Of course they will. Yeah. Like, and I'm not talking every word in the phrase has a modifier. I'm talking yeah. one or two words. Yeah, sure. And so I'm trying to, I try to keep those bids separate. Sometimes I come to that realization after I've thrown everything into a bucket and then I, tr- I create more buckets, ad groups. But 
it all comes back to the search intent, but also the performance. So the search intent of a keyword long distance movers exact match is the same search intent as long distance movers, the the word long and the word movers with modifiers on it. Mm-hmm. Sure. But with things getting opened up with it variant and all that, even though I think the intent is the same, the performance of that broad match modified might not be as good conversion rate wise because it converts less. I need to bid less. And so I control the bidding at the bucket level, the ad group level. So then I might break those into their own bucket, even though I normally wouldn't do that on a campaign that's been running for three months because we don't have that amount of data. But how many keywords in an ad group in general, the longer I have an account, the more keywords are going to be in those buckets. And the reason why, Chris, is because I'm able to find through search terms and through keyword research more and more yellow and green keywords that we were talking about last week. I'm able to find more and more. And when I find them, I don't have to create a new bucket for them. They have the same intent. They deserve the same ad copy. At least before I see the performance, they should deserve the same bid. I can just throw them in a bucket. So if I'm looking for gold and yellow for years and years and they fit in the same amount of buckets, I'm going to fill those buckets up with more and more keywords. I remember you talking about this and it's really interesting. I love that this is kind of coming out in the way that you're saying it because I there's a couple of things that you said that I want to draw on there. First, you said as few buckets as possible. So again, we're, we're back on the, the, the keyword idea and you mentioned you're, you're drawing the ad group and the keywords together here. So number one, notice that Jason said as few buckets as possible. So highly optimized management does not look like... Doesn't change. It, it do- still means simple as possible. Yeah, it, it does not look like 300 ad groups with one keyword each. You've literally gone from skag to mag. Bag. Bag. Skag to bag. Bunch Fill up the bag. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's complete opposite. And, and the way I visualize it is this. If one bucket represents, let's say, you know, you're fishing and the bucket is a pond, you want to put as many hooks and worms into the water as possible. And the keywords are your hooks and worms. Because if you know how the ad rank system works, you know that one keyword may show up and it may not show up. Some keywords may be more relevant to others, and you may not get a click or an impression with one, whereas you may get it with another one. Chris, last week I I blacked out and I started talking about PDP and PV10, and you were like, what? This isn't oil and gas. And you know what, Chris? You're down in the Permian Basin, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And you got that you got that rig and you do, you drill that parent well. And you know what the uh, oil and gas companies had found recently? Okay. They found that, oh, if we just have one platform, one rig, and we just drill 20 wells right next to each other, we can save money because we only have one platform, one ad group. There but guess what they found out? If you drill too many child wells right next to each other, you hurt the pressure of those child wells and it's harder to get the oil up out of the ground. So you can get too complex. So you can compl- you can complex it to save money, but if you get too complex, too many different intent keywords and ad groups, then you lose your pressure and you lose your ability to control bids, and you produce less oil. So wow, boom. it all it's all one. Everything is everything, Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, if everything you- in life follows the same pattern, as simple as possible, but not simpler. If you ever wanted to understand the complexity of my brain versus Jason's. I just brought you through a fishing illustration and Jason used words like child well and pressurization. But it made sense. It still made sense. I mean, I barely followed. I feel like I was hanging on the bumper trying to, I'm with you, you know, I I barely, but yeah, I think that's a good illustration of kind of where our minds go fishing and and well drilling. (laughs) Moving on. All right. It sounds like what you said when we're ta- we're still talking about keywords. It w- I would assume that you add a lot of new keywords regularly. That keyword addition is a regular activity. Is that is that true? No. It it goes it's on it's on a time horizon. The earlier the account, the more keywords we're finding. As time goes on, you get longer on the lateral 
the vertical goes down. Oh, okay. You start adding less and less keywords because there's less and less out there to find. Okay. So I'm still looking. All, every week, I look for new keywords on long-term accounts, green and yellow, every single week. But you just find more and more of them. But I never I never accept that I found them all. Sure. So okay. I'm always looking. I always spend time every week trying to find more. And these keywords, are they... Again, I'm I'm playing the the role of the critic here, you know, that that thinks he understands what highly optimized management looks like. Most people think it looks like adding all exact match, long tail phrase match, stuff like that. Is that what it looks like? Or are you gonna surprise us again? Well, when I find something, of course I wanted this phrase exact and heavily modified. Okay. When I find something good. Okay. But in order to find a lot, you got to frack the well. You got to put some disgusting stuff down there. <laughs> okay. Some prop, some propins. You got, you got to put you, some broad keywords in there. You are got, these really? So Chris, were, are you actually using? All I think about it all day is oil and gas. That's all I think about. And then I got to do Google Ads. That's all I think about. <laughs> what? You yeah. know these words? Do you read books about how to drill an oil well? I mean, how do you know these words? Oh no, he's got a book. Keep note, he keeps his books on the ground. I put mine on nice shelves behind me. Oh, here we go. Petroleum, geology, exploration, drilling, and production. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> that book is right. Look how thick that what is. Edition. <laughs> it's a hardback. You've got a hardback of that kind of book. <laughs> the more I know Jason, the less I understand. Well, another one? A hardback of fundamentals of oil gas accounting. <laughs> and another, okay, 2020 water management to one textbook. Water management? I guess that, are you going to start? Chris, when you drill, when you drill well, you get oil, you get gas, you get NGL. Those make you money. But then you also get this dirty water you got to figure out something to do with. So Jason's third podcast he'll start will be a book club that no one listens to because he reads things like Water Management 2020. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> okay, well. So anyway, my point is that uh, you get these oil and gas wells. You drill them, and then all the easy oil comes up, just so you know. There's a lot of pressure in that rock. Okay. You just put a hole in the ground, and the oil just comes up, and you're like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. But then all the oil, the easy oil comes up. So you know what they do, Chris? They put a bunch of like plastics and all this kind of stuff, little pellets and sand. They push it down 8,000 feet and then they blow it up what? in the rock. What? And they bomb the rock and that causes fissures in the rock. And then the harder oil and gas flows to the well and they make money from that. So what do you do with campaigns? You frack them. You put in broad keywords. You blow it up. You're broad. <laughs> wow. Now you get it. Freaking, now you get it. That is, I'm gonna, you get it. I, that's it. That's you get it. it. That, it's coming full I, circle. You know, I try and sound Take that smart. shirt off, Chris. Let's just... <laughs> oh my gosh, this is... Take stuff. it off. Sorry, I got a little excited. <laughs> I got to do something. I got physical energy in me. I got to touch something. You know, I try and sound smart. And you just literally said you got to take fissures and explode the traffic. I mean, that was beautiful. That was... But you get what I'm saying oh, I, with the pure broad keyword. The word you. pictures... You got frack the, You got to frack the campaign. We're just... Phenomenal. That's you know what happens sometimes when they frack, Chris? And uh, no, of course they, I don't. How the hell okay, would so I know what they've been doing? Okay, so this this changed recently in Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, we're pro oil and gas, right? Yeah. It's an, it I'm in Texas. A lot of money and jobs. We're for, brothers. For yes. You're in Texas. Yeah. Yep. So they they drill. They get all that dirty water, right? And the water's not worth anything. So you know what they were doing a few years ago? They were taking that dirty, disgusting water, and they were just like drilling it back down into the ground mm -hmm. and like just putting it there and and that was causing a bunch of earthquakes in yep. oklahoma yep and even in oklahoma with our being pro energy and all that we were like well you guys gotta yeah you gotta figure i felt out. those you can't, you can't be causing earth you can't be causing earthquakes i used to live in dfw and, and crazy, i felt dude. those like little micro earthquakes yeah i remember that well hey you know what an earthquake is that's when your pure broads go wrong and they bring in some crazy traffic and you're like <laughs> we gotta slow these things down Jeez. 
So, so you know what you do? You get a water treatment facility oh out there, uh, some midstream assets. You treat that water. You know what that is in the Google Ads account? It's lowering those bids on those pure broads. Get them under control. Can I? So, Chris, when you when you look, when you look this, for keywords, can I? Since I came up with the idea, can I name this episode? And yeah, do it. Can I name it? Frack your Google Ads. Can we call it that? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Frack, frack your campaign. No, well, it's got to use the word frack your Google ads campaigns. How about that? Frack your yeah. Google ads. Okay, okay, that's it. How to, no, no, Chris, how to. How to frack. Like, like, it's, a, like it's a known strategy. Like, oh, oh that's, wait, people frack their campaigns? Let of me course they up. do. Of course they do. <laughs> so, Chris, so how do you find the, how, are you adding a bunch of keywords? Well, of course, no, like over the long term because you find them all. You find the easy ones. But then you got to find the ones that you couldn't find. And one of the biggest ways I do that is pure broad keywords. They really do bring in search terms that you wouldn't have exposed yourself to uh, without doing pure broad keywords. And so I find myself finding a lot of new keyword ideas from those pure broad keywords. But you got to do them the right way and, and keep things under control. Okay. Next, keep it on the keywords thing. I would assume you have tons of negative keywords. Correct. Yeah, thousands. Okay. I, I build up lists of thousands of negative So we've all heard the the agency go out there and they audit one of your client's accounts and your client and you've been with the client for 45 days and they're like, oh, this agency said we should have thousands of negative keywords. Where's your list? Or you talk to a new client mm-hmm. and they're like, do you have a pre-developed list for this industry? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so here I'm on both sides of that spectrum. So one I have long-term accounts with thousands of negative keywords sure. on their list. Yeah. But I think that's a stupid thing to do before you start running an account. For a new account. Because yeah. yeah, because the idea with new accounts is no, we shouldn't be getting horrible search terms. Like we should be getting good search terms right from the start with the right keywords. So you don't really have a need for a ton of negative keywords when you start. I think that's kind of an overrated kind of pitch, if you will. But you can definitely build stuff up over working with an industry a lot. But I I only find myself with those thousands of negative keywords when it is a long-term account. Okay. I'm going to skip over bidding because I feel like we've already discussed a lot of that. And I want to get into the last segment here of optimizing. Two things that I want to know, and this kind of goes into bidding. We get, get a little bit of bidding. So keywords... Obviously, that's where you're going to take your action as keywords. And when you find bad keywords, I would assume that you you can only take two actions. You either lower the bids or you pause them entirely. Do you typically find yourself lowering bids first? Because I know you're a manual Google Ads, manual bidder, of course, the only kind, the best kind. Do you lower the bids of that keyword first or do you pause it? Well, number one, on long-term accounts... I don't have bad keywords. Underperforming. They've proven themselves. But what about okay, long term? We're talking Well, here's no. Here's the here's the thing, Chris. There's no such thing as underperformance in a long term account. Okay, you're either performing or you're not. And if you perform at different levels, that's okay. Okay, you manage the bids appropriately. So. If, if I have a group of keywords, a bucket, and I know that bucket gets a 25% conversion rate, well, I'm going to bid accordingly. I'm going to bid aggressively because I can afford to because one out of every four clicks converts. And then if I have a, a bucket of keywords that has a 2% conversion rate down 90% compared to the other ad group, there's nothing wrong with that. You just bid differently. So as long in these long-term accounts, as long as a group of keywords can put something on the board and get conversions, you run it if you have budget for it. Mm-hmm. But you just bid it differently than the high-performing one. So I don't find myself pausing a lot of keywords at all okay. because they've already have proven themselves. If they're in there, they perform at some level. If they didn't perform, then they got paused a long time ago. Okay. But those pure broad keywords – those are ones where I run them and I'm very open to just killing them off and pausing them okay. quickly yeah. because broad keywords are so open. The other broad keywords will pick up whatever slack that one individual keyword that happened to not convert over enough amount of money that I thought it was worth pausing. The other ones will pick up that slack. Um, and then um, 
Oh, the only other reason I would pause in a long-term account, Chris, besides pure broad, is if something changes, is if the market changes, is if close variants change. And now all of a sudden, I look back over the last year and a, and a keyword or group of keywords has a 5% conversion rate. Then what if they change the close variance or what if the meaning of the search changed in the market size and now it has like a close to a 0% conversion rate or much lower Then that's where I'm like, well, something's changed. Let's pause it. But that's the only time I find myself pausing stuff. Okay. That's, that's really surprising. Okay. Okay. One last thing. And uh, this one may vary based on account, but you mentioned, you know, conversion rate, cost per conversion, optimizing for conversions. Ideally, and let's say long-term account, uh, you would hope to get to this point, but I would assume you would prefer to work with ROAS accounts, right? You want to prefer you want to prefer to base your management on value, conversion value, rather than conversion numbers. Do you find that that is practical? Do you do that most of the time, or sometimes it's just not going to work? And are most of your long term accounts do not have conversion value assigned, so you can't get a an actual ROAS to manage your bidding on. Yes, no. Okay. That's what I figured. Can I, can you give me a little, I'm a bad interviewer. Can you please explain? No, no. I like what you did there. I, I gave you a, a, a crappy, very arrogant answer meant to confuse. Yes, no. And then you, you countered me with your confusing answer. Like you understood what I was saying. <laughs> and now I got to think, did you not? Did, was there a, was there a technical thing? You only heard the no, first I, word. Yes. I no. explain your answer to you for you. The answer is sometimes it's practical and it does work. And sometimes it can. No, here's the thing. I, 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 for my management style, the kind of clients I work with, I don't do conversion values. Okay. Yeah. I do lead generation. Now I do think for lead generation, you should have conversion values. But every time I've done a long-term account with a client for service companies, it's always a theoretical thing. It's always, okay, we know long-distance moves on average are worth this. So in order to make a 4 or 5x return on our cost per acquisition, we got to get the cost per conversion to be this. So there's two parts to this. When I work with clients and accounts for a long time, I know we, we we talk and they become better at Google Ads. I become better at their industry. And we, we, we learn together. And we definitely focus on different types of their business or work different things. So for a moving company, an ad group for apartment moving keywords, those are going to be worth a lot less for them mm. than mm -hmm. this, the previously mentioned Florida, New York, long distance moving buckets or campaign. So you get a sense of, of what different kinds of their businesses work to different clients. And then you bid accordingly. But I just always backtrack it into a cost per conversion. That's the way I prefer to bid. That's the way I perform, prefer to focus my management, not on a return on ad spend. I like to get the return on ad spend from the client mm -hmm. in terms of okay. what different parts of their business are worth to them. Yep. Then we backtrack, okay, that's what one client or customer in that part of your business is worth when you acquire them, how many Google ads conversions does it take to acquire them? And then that gives you your target cost per conversion. So we have our target return three to five X. We have our, how many conversions it takes to acquire that return each time. And then if it takes, if uh, let me just do some math in my head. If, if we got $500 every time we got one and we wanted a 5X, it would have to cost $100 to acquire one of those customers. If our conversion rate was 25%, our cost per conversion would need to be $25. Okay. Because it would take four $25 conversions to acquire a customer at $100. For that specific service line, they get $500 to 5X. So now as a Google Ads manager, I don't want to have to think about all that stuff more than one time. And so now I know for this service, the cost per conversion needs to be $25. Okay. Period. End of story. And then I can focus my management on that. So it is return on ad spend inspired, but it's cost per conversion focused. Boy, man. 
You like that? That's, man, you've been spitting some fire today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what Jason says, then support our sponsors because uh, that is who helps us pay for the hosting and helps us get where we are now and keep doing this every week. Um, let me tell you helps a quick- Helps us pay for laptops when you just, yeah, you just knock right. over pay water for- on them <laughs> and you're like, oh, I only bought this a year ago and now it doesn't work. So what am I going to do? Am I going to- Put it upside down on a pillow for two Put days rice and then on go it. to the Apple store that's not even open because of COVID and then say, hey, can you fix this and not have a laptop for three months? <laughs> or do I just go down the street and swipe a card and be like, uh, I need a new one. Thank you. Yeah. Give, give. And what's money? Yeah. If you want to continue Jason's elaborate lifestyle, please sponsor us and go to optio.com slash PSP2. Let me tell you about one feature that I think is so cool that this tool has. We're talking to managers out there. We A lot of our people out there are managers. They manage their own campaign. They have an agency where they have a bunch of people working for them. We have you know all kinds of stuff. And the biggest issue is keeping track of what you did, what changed, you know, what you're doing in the campaign. And one issue is keeping notes and tracking what happened and there's an integrated change history tool, which is just beautiful. When you change something, you can add a note on that day for that change. And you can see your notes attached to the changes. So imagine highly optimized, you fracked the heck out of your Google Ads campaign, and now you have notes for all the fracking that you've done. You have details about each of the changes, so you can go back and say, oh, that's right, back in September I did this, and then I did this. This note thing should be vanilla. I mean, it should be in the in the actual Google Ads engine, but we're still waiting for that to go through. So in the meantime, optio.com slash PSP2, great tool. We highly recommend it. And now... One very last important question. You guys, have thank you for continuing to listen through the advertisement. Jason, one last very important question. What is your favorite color? Like a color? Yeah. You can see colors, right? Do you see in colors? You know, I've, I've never, uh, I don't know, I guess I don't have one. I've never okay. taken time to that think about that. Is Every second answer. of my life has been focused on maximizing the amount of money <laughs> I can right. suck that's out of this system answer. and become a billionaire. That's what I'm talking about. That's the best answer because I was absolutely going to make fun of you if you gave me an answer. That's oh, yeah. all right. Good news. Me and Jason Chris, can continue. Just a, just a joke. I'll tell you the joke. What the. It's a very alpha move. I'll tell you in Patreon. Okay. That's there you go. Two bucks a month. You can join us on our patreon only lounge where we pass out hundred dollar bills from jason's bottomless wallet and it's a great place you're gonna love it uh jason and i are about to go through those golden doors right now into that lounge and uh paidsearchpodcast.com click on the patreon link and you can join us there otherwise for you cheapos we'll see you next thursday <laughs>